up, everybody? Welcome to Angie's World Podcast. You can be anywhere in the world, but you choose to be in Angie's World. And for that, I love you. I hope you enjoy the show. Kick back and enjoy the ride. Have a good one, y'all. All right, we're on. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Angie's World Podcast. I have a very, very, very special guest with me in the building today, all right? Hollywood Chuck. He is a promotions and marketing guru, okay? He's a company owner, the Monopoly Marketing Group. Um, He's done parties from every single celeb that you could name, brand sponsorships, alcohol deal, brand sponsorships, celeb parties, events, I'm talking the number 23 of promoting Hollywood Chuck. What's up? It's what's good. <laughs> Yo, Chuck, thank you so much. Oh, may, may I add, king me. of the clubs, too. Thank you for having me, Angie. We, you know, we've known each other for a very, very long time. Yes. I'm blessed to be on your show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you here today. So, Chuck. Before we get into anything, right? Can you explain to the people why you call yourself the number 23 of promoting? Because so many people ask you this. Yeah, they ask me that. And they um they act they, you know, some people think I'm saying I'm I'm the number twenty I'm 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 the twenty-third promoter or um but it actually came from Drake said it in a line one day and then I I took it. And I, I incorporated myself in it. So what I mean by it is um, I, I look at the world of parties and promoting like the NBA. And I've, to me, you know, everybody is a debate. There's always an ongoing debate on who the greatest player of the, of the world, who, who's the greatest player of all time was. To me, is Michael Jordan. So mm-hmm. I, um, uh, his number was 23. So I incorporated 23 and I call myself the number 23. That's how I came up with the name. Um, the reason why I call myself that is because a lot of promoters think that getting, you know, having a packed party, you're, 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 you're like the hottest thing popping. Right. Um, I call myself that because I took having packed parties to another level, meaning I, um, I created a brand and my brand, um, has helped me create, you know, I, you know, I, I can't think of another promoter who had, you know, I had my own sneaker deal. I have my own. We're going to get into deal. all that, Chuck. We're going to get yeah, into I, all you know, that. I, I've had, I've had multiple liquor deals. I've started multiple liquor companies um, and I've had multiple endorsements. Um, so that's the reason why um, o- overall I, I call myself number 23 because Michael Jordan had endorsements and he's just not a basketball player. So I'm just not a promoter. I took it to another level. Right. And I don't personally know um, another promoter in New York that has done that. So that's right. why I call myself the number 23 because I've, I've never seen another promoter have multiple endorsement deals and multiple streams of line of income like me other than throwing parties. Now right. back to throwing parties. If I wanted to compete with anybody throwing parties, I've still never seen anybody with, you know, rest in peace. I've had Kobe Bryant at my party. I've yep. did a party with the Fugees performing. I've had Snoop Dogg at my party. I've had these kind of celebrities yeah. that, you know, I've never seen in New York 
right. done in New York before, at least at least while I was living. Right. So that's why I call myself number 23 of promoting. He's the Mike Jordan of promotion. Um, we're definitely going to get into, Chuck, how you took, how you got your start and how you took, because there's levels to, and I learned that working with you, there's levels of, of promoting. It's not just throwing a party. There's so many different levels and how you were able to take, you know, how you were able to go from standing outside in the cold, handing out paper flyers to where you are now and the endorsement mm -hmm. deals and the brand deals and, you know, throwing parties where you you have your marketing um splattered across you know um vans and purchased an airtime on the radio for you know your parties and you know the legendary billionaire wednesdays at you know perfections we're gonna get into all that stuff and um and so yeah so I, i'm so excited about this conversation today and for those of you that don't know i i worked with chuck straight out of college i was his assistant so I learned a lot. Oh man, that's a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> remember those days? Yes, I was like so freaking like I, straight out of college. So like we was we did everything. Yep, yep. And you I know learned firsthand. <laughs> yes, and I learned so much. And we're gonna get into that. And and oh my god, I was so naive, but I learned like I was able to see so many things uh, behind the scenes and learn how how so many things work and how 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 things operate as far as like um, throwing a party. It's not just as simple as that. You know, there's so many um, elements that go into throwing an event at the magnitude that we were throwing events um, at. But we're going to. We, yo, but you know what, Chuck, we're going to get into that. But I want to take me back a little bit. Um, okay. Start me from the beginning, because for those that don't know, like Chuck is a veteran. He was born and raised in New York. He's from Far Rockaway, Queens. You know what I'm saying? And tell me, what year was it? Like, first of all, how did how did you get into promoting? Because you this is going back to the tunnel days, Funkmaster Flex right. and all that stuff. So so take me to the very beginning and how you got in the game. Right. So um, I was born and raised in, in Far Rockaway, Red Firm Projects, Far Rockaway. And my friends, you know, they was hustlers, you know, you know, so it, we used to, me and my friends used to do these, these, these go in, go inside these abandoned apartments and throw, and throw events inside the abandoned apartments and red firm projects until one time, uh, you know, a crackhead came up to me and, you know, she didn't have enough money to buy drugs off of one of my friends. And I came up with the idea of, you know what? We'll throw a party in your in your in your apartment every week, and we'll split the proceeds. That way, you'll have money to buy whatever you want to buy, and I'll have money to buy my sneakers. Because I was just a kid; I was only 13, 14 years old at the time, so um, I, I had money to buy sneakers at that time. Then that's how I came up with the idea. Right. So that's how you came up with the idea. So once you got, so once you guys were doing the parties and all of that stuff in the the apartments and you started learning the game that way how did you eventually start to take that from in the hood to now the club scene to the next well, level well well what happened was um me and my friends were getting sick of seeing the same girls from the same projects in the same party so i said damn i gotta get some other girls from other projects because i was 
my mentality was just projects at that time. It wasn't like I was um, going out to houses and handing out flags. So what I did was I stood in front of the eight train train station and I handed out paper <laughs> flyers, like Xerox paper flyers, not even like cardboard paper, like Xerox paper flyers, inviting them to my parties. And then I expanded and I went from to each project and I slip them on each door. It, it, it could be 30 buildings in each project. And I went to each building and slipped on each door, my flyers for the parties. And then everybody from each project out of Far Rockway started coming to refer to my parties. Mm. And then one day, one of my friends came and he knew some industry people. He like, yo, you know, this is a great party. I'm going to invite one of my industry friends and, and see if they can help you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Everybody's talking. Right. So one one day, lo and behold, big DJ Big Cap walks in the party and he goes, What is going on here? This is such a great party. And 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 my I got lucky because DJ Big Cap, he he was attracted to Project Girls. So he was he liked it. You know, a right. lot of people are not attracted to Project Girls, but he liked the hood girls, the right. and the scarf wearing girls. He liked the girls. So that helped me. And he, he said, listen, man, who, who's throwing this event? And my friend's like, yo, that 15-year-old kid over there, like, he's throwing <laughs> it. Like, and he, he said, listen, man, you know, I'm going to make you a real promoter. And I'm like, well, what's a promoter? He right. Like, I'm going to make you a, a party promoter. Like, you could you you could be really good at this. I'm going to bring you to the city. And um, ever since then, it was uh, all she wrote. Yeah, man. Shot, like, Rest in peace to the legendary DJ Big Cap. Um, the stars aligned for you there when Big Cap came in and uh came in your party because yep. that was that was definitely the universe, you know, just working the way it was supposed to work. And just to veer off for a little bit, I remember when I was working with you and we and I would go in the strip clubs and I met Cap and this is already like I'm talking about this is probably 2014. He was already legendary, well into his, you know, legendary status and his work ethic. I used to just sit in the DJ booth and just look at him in amazement because he was always so focused. He um he didn't like people talking to him when he was DJing. He took his craft very seriously. And when he was working in that booth, he was focused and it was almost like he took every single party that he did so seriously when it came to his music and his work and everything. And I always admired that about him. And he, you know, he told me um, that, you know, he had, he thought I was like a good worker and he appreciated how I would always like ask him questions and learn so many things from him. So rest to DJ Big Cat. Oh, y'all almost lost me for a second. Okay, there we go. All right. Yeah, I rest in peace, Big Cat. Just, Blink for a second. I got nervous. Like, wait, what happened? <laughs> no, you good. Yeah. So, so rest that in was, peace. That was Cap. Say, that was Cap. Say hello. I know that's super dope. Cap, what's up? That was Cap. Say hello. <laughs> that probably was man. Listen, he's he's listening Cap. to me right now. What's up, Cap? <laughs> yeah, rest in peace to the legendary DJ Big Cap. So now, what year is this, Chuck? That you guys are migrating from project parties to the city now it had to be um it had to be early 90s early 90s okay so you guys could picture you know the scene this is before the strip clubs this is when yeah. clubs was like you know clubs um and the popping spot at the time it was the tunnel right well what happened was um 
a cap was like, listen, no, you got to earn, you got to earn your spot with me. So, um, you know, I'm going to bring you to the tunnel, but you have to work for it. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, meet me at my house on a Sunday night, meet me at my house and we'll, we'll talk about it. So I got to his house. He was like, yo, see those creative records, take out each record and clean them and put them back so that they won't scratch when I go in the DJ, when I start DJing. So I, I sat there for hours, cleaned up all the records, you know, got the crates ready. And then he told me, take these crates to this address and wait for me there inside mm -hmm. the DJ booth. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know anything. <laughs> and lo and behold, it was the tunnel. And I was in charge of bringing his records in the tunnel, setting them up in the DJ booth. So when he got there, he could just, just take them and DJ. Right. And, I, and that's how I, you know, that's how it all started with the tunnel. You know, I was obviously way too young, but I was really tall. So, and I had the crates. So the security didn't ask me for ID or anything. Right. So that's how I got in, you know, and, and I parlayed it to even getting my friends in because right. I couldn't carry four crates. You know, they were really heavy. So right. my friends would be my same age as me. Like, yo, we want to go too. <laughs> I right, grab a crate. So we all used to grab the crates and that's how we all got in the tunnel at a young age. That that's is, how it all started. That's lit. So the parties that Cap did, um, were they playing hip hop at the time? Was it like hip hop night or what type of atmosphere was it? What, what was going on at that time? Cause I was too young when you was 15, but I was definitely in tune with hip hop, always been a hip hop head. So I could imagine what it was like in the tunnel at that time. And for you to be 15 in there. Oh my God. It was, it was, it was mind blowing because, um, it was hip hop. It was a hip hop night. Now the tunnel had multiple nights going on there, but yeah. the Sunday night was a hip hop night. And it was a time where I met all the celebrities. Cause you had Harlem on one side. Harlem used to be always near the pictures cause they like to take pictures. So he used to be the, next to the picture booth guy. Brooklyn would be across one bar and Far Rockaway would be across another bar. And then the rest of the crowd would be mixture of everybody. So, um, it was definitely a hip hop party. Word. And so once you got in the clubs and you started mingling, because what a lot of people don't realize in this career as um, a marketing, you know, throwing events, promotions and marketing, you have to have a personality. You have to be able to get along with people. You have to be extroverted to a certain extent. And so you got to, you know, not to say you got to be fake, because obviously it's not being fake. It's just being yourself, but you have to be social. So I'm sure with your personality, you were in there learning the game and making your connections and stuff. So how, so tell me how, how, like, what was your first, I guess you could say when you stepped out of under big cap and you started, like, what was your first party that you did or where was it? Or explain that process to me, how that went. Well, what happened was, at that age, I didn't have a, a great personality. I had developed a great personality. Um, at that age, I was still learning the business. I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. I knew I was too young to be in there. So I really wasn't talking to much people. You was I was observing. just talking to the people I know. I was just observing and just taking it all in, learning. Yeah. Like, oh, where does that come from? What is, why are they doing that? This, that. Like, what? Yeah. Like, you know, I was, I was asking questions, but I wasn't. My personality wasn't developed yet. It wasn't. Yeah, you weren't Hollywood still. Chuck yet. No, 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 not at all. I was still Charles. My name was Charles. He was Charles, right? Yep. So what happened was one day, Angie, I was standing there, and Funkmaster Flex walks up to me, 
Mm. And he's like, he's like, yo, you know, what are you doing in here? You don't look old enough to be in here. And I'm like, you know, I started, you know, making up excuses. And I'm like, you know, I'm be honest with you, I'm with Big Cap. You know, I, I help him with his records. He's like, yo, you know, I got to talk to you. You know, I want you to come to my office tomorrow. You know, and he and he said it like I, like I was in trouble. Right. Like, oh, man, you know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm in trouble. So um, I get to his office and i never forget. King Capri and, and Funk Batch and Flex was in the office and they was just going at it. They was arguing or whatever. They was going at it, going at it. And I don't know what it was about, whatever. But when King Capri left, Funk Batch was like, you next. You come in the office now. So I get in the office and I'm like, oh, man, now mind you, I'm a teenager. I'm scared right. to death. And this is Funk Batch and Flex. He's the biggest thing since sliced bread at the yep. time. So he goes, yo, man, be honest with me, man. How old are you? And I'm like, yo, you know... You know, don't lie to me because I was about to lie. You know, I was about to lie. Like, you know, <laughs> he's like, don't, don't. Before I said it, he said, don't lie to me. I said, you know, um, I, I, at the time, I think I was 16. And he was like, you know, I said, I'm 16. He's like, what are you doing in the tunnel at 16 years old? And I told him the story again. I said, you know, I was working with Big, I'm working with Big Cap. I'm right. His records in. I set him up. He's like, yo, man, I got, I got, I got something for you, man. You know, I got an idea. He said, you're going to be the one that run back and forth and take care of the artists when we have artists perform at the tunnel. Cause nobody would ever think that you, you, you're going to, you're, you're so young, you're a baby. Right. So you're going to be one to run back and forth, make sure they got food, drinks, this, that, that. And that was the start of something big because that's how I met all these celebrities. And yes. I wouldn't, I was too scared to talk to the, the actual, so if they had Nas there, I would talk, I, what was smart about it was I would talk to Nas's best friend or his right. manager and get close with him. Yeah. And tell him, like, yo, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm young. So that's how I met all the celebrities in the beginning and met their management and their close, their fans. And 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 that's what tied me in to them in the beginning. Right. All right. That's that's what's up. So that's how you were able to get those connections. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. So now that you got the connections, all right, what did you do with them? Like people that's the thing about it it's like you got to have in this game yeah people could have a million and one connections and that's all great but if they don't put that hustle into effect then it's just right. a, you're just a popular fucking person right. you know there's right. nothing behind that how did you generate those connections into getting some bread for yourself you know what I'm saying? Right. And and because you was already getting bread in, in the projects you know what I'm saying right. throwing your parties and stuff then you got down with cap you know what I'm saying? You fell in love with the game from there. You know what I'm saying? Then, you know, working with Flex got you, you know, those ends to everybody's management. When did, when was it like, okay, um, now I'm about to step out from under their shadows and start my own thing and get this bread. Did, how did it, or did it just slowly like get there? Like how, tell me about that. That's a great question. Let me tell you what happened because I was the one that was in charge of Big Cap's records Big Cap started taking me on the road with him. Oh, okay. To, so one time we went to Miami, and, and, and i never forget this, and, and Big Cap had to DJ a, a Magic Johnson event. And so, you know, this is when the Blackberries was out, the Blackberries mm-hmm. that flip up. Um, so Cap said, yo, hold my Blackberry. And you can beam numbers when you had the Blackberries. So what I did was I took Cap's phone and I beamed all of the I sat I sat there for like two hours 
and beamed all of his numbers into my phone. So you're talking <laughs> about Snoop Dogg, Angie Martinez, all of these celebrities. I got them from his phone. He didn't know. So the next time I did a, an event, I knew I had these numbers. Right. So 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 when it finally became my time to do any to do an event in a city, I still stuck with Big Cap and Flex. I still stuck right. with them. I had them DJ in my parties when I started doing parties in the city. Right. So I would zoo, I would send out a blast to all the celebrities. And they hit me back like, yo, who's this? Yo, who? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I would hit them back like, listen, I'm a young promoter. I work for Big Cap, Flex. If you wanna, if you're in New York right now, you wanna hang out, come to my parties. So that's how it all started with all the celebrities coming to my parties. I've had by doing that, I had Kanye, I had Talib Kweli, I had all these people come to my party, and they never even met me, but I had sent out the blast. Right, I stole from Cap, and that's how it all started. <laughs> so wait, hold on, I gotta stop you there. So at the time when you did that, let me find out that you were the originator of the email blast or the blast, you know, to send out for your parties. Because at the time when you was coming up, who were, who was your competition of promoters? Who was really doing it? I mean, yeah, it was Cap. It was DJs like you know, you had Cap, you had Flex, um, Kid Capri. But I don't remember any that like promoters per se. Were you like one of the first? Well, for hip -hop? I never, I never looked at promoting as competition. I never looked at it like if I was throwing a party, nobody else is going to go to another party. I always had it in my head. It was just so many people in New York City that right. is enough room for everybody. I never, I never had it in my head that yo, I got to do a party to beat this guy because only. 500 people live in New York City. It, it, that never was my mindset. It always was my mindset just to get the people that I know or that I have in my BlackBerry to come out. Right. But back in those days, um, you had the two best promoters to me was Jessica, was Jessica um, Rosenblatt. She was incredible. Oh, yeah. She was legendary. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Derek Corley was legendary. And obviously... The promoter, the head promoter for the tunnel was Jessica, but then after Jessica left was was Paul Knox. So those three people right. was like pivotal. Like they was they was controlling the city. Oh yeah, as far as parties. Like I I didn't I didn't I was a teenager. I wasn't yeah. thinking about yo. You came I up under them. With them. Yeah, I, I got to get people to them. I was just trying to do my own thing, trying to make my own way. Right. There was never no competition with me when it came down to that. It was never no no competition. I always knew that it was millions of people in New York. Like yeah, and and it's like all right, I, all I need is a hundred of those people. Like right, that's how I looked at it. You know, if the population in New York is ten million, all I need is a hundred people. Yep, and I'm and I'm happy. So that's how I always looked at. It. That's how I look at it today. So it was. So I think it's important that you know, we're speeding it up when we're telling the story, but it, it didn't happen overnight. It took you no. years to, to make yeah. these connections with people to the point that yeah. when you sending out these blasts and you throwing these events, people want to come, they got to connect with right. you because people going to come to your events because they F with you because they know right. who you are. You know what I'm saying? So, all right. So now you, so you throw in your events, you got, you know, all caps contacts, you throwing out those blasts and stuff. Is that when the bread really started coming in for you and you started becoming successful in that realm, like on a different level? Because this is not the projects no more. Now this is right. like, you know 
know what I'm saying? On on a on on a whole other level. Well, Tell me. Well, um, well, that's a great question. Well, uh, what a lot of people don't know is, as at the same time I was going, I was going to the tunnel, and I and I had started throwing my parties in the city. I was in college. Right. Um, I, I went to college on a on a baseball slash basketball scholarship. So I was in college, also throwing parties in college. So okay. I would have a party in college on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, and then go back home and have a party in New York on a Friday. Yeah. And I would use Cap and Flex. Like Flex came up to my school, Cap came up to my school, and this is like you got Flex coming, you got Cap coming. The party's already like packed. So I right. use those those connections with those two DJs to to build up my 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 like respectability right in college and the city so tell me tell me when did you get your name hollywood chuck well what well what happened was um see a lot of promoters um and there's a lot of promoters who named themselves after me and i respect all respect due you know, because there was no promoters named Hollywood before yeah, I know. me. Now there's a million Hollywoods. And right. that's I, I'm I'm very humble <laughs> and, and trust me, right. know, I get it. But how I came up with my name was first of all, my my real name is Charles. So hanging out with Cap, Cap was like, yo, Charles is so corny. Like your name is Chuck now. <laughs> your name is Who Chuck. Who said now. that? Cap, Cap said that? Yeah, it's like Charles is so corny, like your name is not Charles anymore. Your name is Chuck. Right. So over the course of one or two years go by, Cap, you know, Cap's like, yo, your name is not Chuck anymore. Your name is Big Chuck. So over the course of the years, go, yo. And then he's like, yo, one day I came to this house with sunglasses on. It was summer day. I just right. had sunglasses. He's like, yo, yo, your name is Hollywood Chuck now. You're Hollywood, you're Hollywood. Ch- you're Hollywood <laughs> Chuck. You're Hollywood Chuck now. So over the course of the years, Cap, kept changing my name and evolving yeah. me as the time goes. Right. So like you got to evolve. Like you can't keep the same name as you had 10 years ago because it's it's a whole new game now. So you right. got to change with the time. You got to change yep. your name with the time. So that's what happened. Cap named me Hollywood Chuck. I never you know, I never named myself Hollywood Chuck. Cap named me Hollywood Chuck. That's that name is so fitting for you. I can't see you as a big Chuck. <laughs> Hollywood Chuck is like perfect. You know what I'm saying? And it's definitely, it's definitely a name that's a brand. It's something people are gonna remember. And um, you created a brand for yourself through through that name, Hollywood Chuck. Um, so let's get into you've had brand endorsements, sneaker deals, energy drink deals, uh what was it? It was Belvedere or Grey Goose? Grey Goose. Grey Goose. They had like a drink that you cr- helped create. I mean, well, let me tell you the story. Yeah, so tell it to me. Was, what happened was, um, I had got the I had got the job at Grey Goose. I was a brand ambassador, um, and they they had a big meeting with all the brand ambassadors across the country because they pick one brand ambassador per city. I was a Grey Goose brand ambassador for New York. So they had picked, they said, we all got to, we all got to have all our brand ambassadors from Baltimore, Chicago, you know, Atlanta, meet in Miami for a meeting, a big meeting. So we all met there. The owners and everything came from Great Goose. They, they met us. They all, we all talking and everything. And they had a whole bunch of drink mixtures all on the table as we were eating. And they said, after we eat, we want you guys 
to mix these things up and make some drinks. So I, I, I didn't want to go by myself. So I took my friend with me. His name was Carly. So I took Carly with me to Miami. And I'm like, yo, you can come with me to Miami. You can drink. Shout out to Carly. Yeah, Carly Voice. They call him Carly Voice. Yep, he's so, skinny now. <laughs> he ain't big Carly no now. more. Yeah. <laughs> yep, so they, they brought us to Miami. And Carly's the real drinker. Like, I'm not a big, big drinker. So Carly's like, yo, Chuck, you got to taste this. This is what I put together. And I taste it. I'm like, yo, the owner's got to taste this. This is incredible. The owner's taste it. Now, mind you, Angie, I'm mad young. If right. I would have known what I know now, you know, I would have probably been a billionaire. So yeah. I, I pass it to the owner. Owner's, owner's like passing around to his executives. He's like, yo, 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 this guy, Chuck, he came up with this thing. And it really wasn't me. It was Carly. Mm-hmm. So there's like, oh, we're going to make this a drink. And at the time, I'm a T, like, I'm young. Yeah. Like, okay, dope. I didn't know, yo, I, I need to get paid for that. Like, right. Like, that's my right. drink. Right. <laughs> I need to get paid for that. But I didn't know. And that drink now is Cherry Noir. I love it. Yo, I remember when, um, when was it? I think we was in your lounge uh, one night after it closed and we was all chilling in there. And you was like, yo, Angie, make this drink. This was my drink that I had with, um, with um great it was great goose right great goose mm-hmm. so he was like put this put that put this mm-hmm. and when i mixed it up i was like yo this is good it mm-hmm. was it's really really good so that's that's a dope story right there um tell us a little bit about the sneaker deal that you had because uh, this all came stemmed from you know it started with promoting and all these opportunities opened up for you as you became more successful in the promotions right. and marketing game so tell tell us a little bit about the sneaker deal because i know and we're going to get to this but i know that there's some some promoters that are just starting out in the game that's probably going to watch this or listen to this um and it's going to inspire them to show like listen you know what i'm saying you do you you come in the game and you play it right there's so many opportunities for you besides just promoting you know what i'm saying so tell us a little bit about the sneaker deal that you was able to get from that so that's a great question so um what happened was i was a person that that you know i was from project so i couldn't afford the the gucci and louis so i had to buy things and make it dope for me Right. I used to I used to buy things that wasn't the the most three hundred dollars sneakers, four hundred dollars sneakers. I used to buy the seventy five sneakers, but I used to match it up right Right. properly, and I used to brand myself like that. Like, yo, I'm not buying Gucci and Louis. I, you know, they didn't know I couldn't afford it, but I couldn't afford it. Right. So I'm not buying that. I'm buying what I what I like, and 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 I used to brand myself on. At the time, it was either MySpace or Facebook or one of those social. And I used to brand myself with what I was wearing. Yeah. It caught the eye of a, of a sneaker company. The company was called Design. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they they took the LA gear model with the light up in the bottom mm-hmm. and remixed it and made it even better. That's so dope. So they made the light up sneakers. So they called me and said, yo, we want to give you an endorsement, or, you know, a million dollar endorsement deal. And that was one of my that was one of my first million dollar deals that sneaker deal and um i just started wearing designs and you know i i didn't know that i could take it to the next level. i had all the celebrities wearing it diddy loved it uh i had zab judah one of his biggest fights he walked in the ring with them waving them 
Yeah, that's and, what's up. Um, and uh, we we sold a lot. We sold a lot of sneakers from that. So that was my first, my first one of my one of my first deals. That's super dope. And um, Chuck, tell me a little bit about how you um how you got. Hold on one second. How you got involved with working with um uh DJ Clue and creating the Monopoly? Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so what? So at the time. Um, I'm I'm throwing a party, um, and um, it was in the city, and um, you know, um, after you throw a party, you have to go back to get your get your bar check, you know, mm-hmm. because they don't give it to you on the same night. They have to calculate it overnight, you know, and you know, I don't want to wait until eight o'clock in the morning, to right? Get it, so I'll come back the next day. So at the club, when I came back, they was having a DJ battle. And um, DJ Clue was 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 um, judging the battle, and uh, you know that's the last place a promoter wants to be is a DJ battle because you get you got every DJ trying to holler at you, and they're not club DJs, they're right. like battle DJs, so they they can't get the people dancing. They they can do mixes right. and you know they they're good at that stuff. So I'm sneaking in just <laughs> trying to get my check, and as I was leaving, I had somebody say, "Yo, yo, yo!" I'm like, "Shit." <laughs> It's one of these fucking mix. It's one of these right. fucking battle DJs. You know they, they want to get their hands on me because I'm the club promoter. Right, and they can make money in the club, so I'm like, right. So they trying to yeah. So he was like, damn. So I turned around like, and it wasn't a battle DJ. It was Clue. Yeah, and Clue was like, yo, I heard a lot of good things about you. You know, um, I think we should work together. And I'm like, yo, you know, you you know, you're a mixtape DJ. I'm a club promoter, like. You know, with two different people, he's like, you know, nah, I DJ in clubs too. Uh, so um, I said, no problem, let's try it. And then that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the was, monopoly. This was before strip clubs, right? Yes, way before strip clubs. Okay, so these were the regular clubs. So then that's how y'all did the monopoly. That's what's up. So tell yeah. me, so what would you say was your first huge event that you threw? Like something that just in your mind you were like, yo, this is crazy. Like right, just... it was it was it was before Clue. I, I had um, I was doing project party still, and I was doing one one party in the city, real real small party, and it was this promoter from Queens. His name is Mook Diamonds, and he, oh yeah, he, shout he out called... Mook Diamonds. Shout out to Mook. Mook Diamonds called me. He was like, "Yo, I have an idea." He said, "I know you promoting Far Rockaway. I have an idea of putting four promoters together from from areas of from New York." And making one big party in the city, and we want you. And so he set up the meeting, and it was me, Mook Diamonds, Tone Bird, and Big Theo. And uh, Mook Diamonds formulated that group, and the first big party we did was Cheetah Club. This club, oh, okay, um, I remember Cheetah. The Cheetah Club, yep, the Cheetah Club, and and that club was was the like the most that was legendary. Club. Legend, the most pop, very legendary, and then Mook Diamonds picked like an off night. It was like um, it was like a Monday, and then we all did the party there, and um, that was one of my big parties right there. The Cheetah Club. Thank, shout out to Mook Diamond. Shout out to Mook Diamond. And shout yo, you you got. I mean, everybody used to be in the Cheetah Club. Jay Z shouted that out in the song. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. was in there, so I know that was probably legendary. That party. Yeah, I, I wish I was there. around in those days. Those Our days. DJ was crazy. Our DJ was, was was Big Cap, of course, and was DJ Self. It was one of his. Oh, shout parties. out to DJ Self too. 
I wish I was around in those days. That's legendary right there. Dang. DJ Self, yep. <laughs> DJ Self. It was Big Cap and DJ Self. Oh, that's so I'm dope. I'm going to post that flyer one day. I'm going to post that flyer one day. You I should. Man, I wish I was there for that. Um, All right. So I I'm curious about this because I didn't enter the picture until the strip club era. How did you guys handle the transition from doing regular clubs into the strip club era. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, everything has to evolve and everything changes with the times. And eventually people stopped going to regular clubs and it was all about the strip clubs. How were you guys right. able to make that transition? All right, great question. So what happened was um, after the, when we was doing the Cheetah Club every Monday, I started catching owners, other owners' eyes. So I started doing um, this spot called Home and Guest House. Um, oh, yes. And one. So I started doing that club and just good friend of mine, he, you know, his name is Rhetoric Doe. He does Starlets now, but he, he was coming there every I week. I remember like, him. Yo, man, you know, make me a promoter. I want to be a promoter. I want to, I want to start promoting. I want to be a promoter. And I'm like, nah, nah, nah. You know, I'm just focused on what I got to do. So lo and behold, he, you know, he kept asking me, he wore me down. It took him like at least a year. And he calls me, he goes, yo, man. I got this strip club and they want me to do parties there, but I'm not a promoter. I need a real promoter. So I call you. So I'm like, yo, I don't do strip clubs, bro. Like, right. I, I don't even, you know, that's not my thing. I do yeah. parties in the city. This strip club is in Queens. Because the strip and clubs the were really, Queens. yeah, because strip clubs, not to cut you off, I'm sorry, but strip clubs were mainly like big in the South at that time. They didn't, it, it didn't right. migrate. Into that. Yeah, so go ahead. I'm going to get into that. So what happened was, he like, yo, you know, we're going to do the strip club. It's, it's called Perfections, and it's in the story of Queens. And and I need you to be the promoter because you know all the artists. You know everybody. And I'm I'm going to back it financially or whatever we need. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So I made a big mistake because I didn't really do my research, Angie. Like, I, I what I should have done was go to the South, go to Atlanta, and figure out how they did it. Right. And then bring it to New York. What I did yeah. was I just implemented what I was doing in the city in right. a strip club. So yeah. strip clubs now became regular parties. So regular girls was coming in, regular guys. You know, strip clubs are, are normally for like gentlemen. Yeah, gentlemen's club. Gentlemen club. Yeah. So they're for guys that just want to sneak out right. their house. Their <laughs> wife is sleeping. Right. Go get horny. And, and get low. Home. Right. right. So I, what I did was I I basically ruined the whole gentleman the whole gentleman's thing and brought parties Listen, to the strip you, club. You didn't ruin it because that's lit. It, you made you were part of making strip clubs mainstream. Yep. You turned shout it into mainstream. Cova, shout to Steve Cova, Lingo, Rhetoric Doe, Mook Diamonds, Tone Bird. Um, we all went in perfections and we, we changed the whole mentality. Of, of of strip clubs now you know now now to this day like you know there was no strip club before us the only thing that was before us was Sue's and and the and, wedge and, um right the wedge, the wedge was and there. golden lady golden lady was there um there wasn't many so yeah and, and it definitely wasn't many um strip clubs that normal people went to 
That right. was unheard of. Right, because those strip clubs back then, like Sue's, The Wedge, it was more like a boys club thing. It was very on the low, like you said, more gentlemen's club. You guys turned it into, you know, mainstream, like, you know, you got mainstream, mainstream celebs in there. You can find Maya in Imperfections or Chris Brown, you know what I'm saying? Like, just mainstream celebs. You know, and, and, and shout out to all the promoters in New York City, but I've had, you know, in Perfections, I've had Chris Brown, I've had Rihanna, I've had Diddy multiple times, I've had Rick Ross multiple times, Troy yep. Ave, you on and on and on. Little any, Kim. Any celebrity, Little Kim, over and over and over um, that, you know, I've done it already. I did it already. I've had every celebrity in there. So um, that was the start of the, 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 the new strip club <laughs> era. Yes, and 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 that's when I came in the picture um, during that strip club era. And I remember when when I started working with you, you guys were doing the legendary billionaire Wednesdays at Perfections. Yep. Um, that is a classic. I mean, listen, if you're from New York City, or not even if you're from New York City, if you're from any any city, and you came to New York, you know what was you know rick ross was shouting out perfections like billionaire wednesdays is a staple like if somebody makes a documentary um hopefully i'm giving somebody an idea but if somebody makes a documentary on you know just um the evolution and the promoters and do some type of documentary you gotta add billionaire wednesdays in there there's certain there's certain staples in the history of hip-hop that need to be in there you know what i'm saying and that mm -hmm. that is definitely a day that is gonna go down in history. Like so many legendary things happened during, oh, during that. Oh, forget about it, man. I could post <laughs> videos from that thing. You'd be like, "Huh? This is what we're doing?" <laughs> right. You know, um, you know, I remember one time we had I had Drake come there, and Drake it was his first time in Queens, and um, I had I had had him in the city, but I had never had him. He came because we had like um um Malaya. We had we had um. Mariah, Mariah something. Not Mariah Lynn. Mariah the stripper? A, yeah, we had her. And Drake, people's hit me like, yo, Drake is coming in tonight to see her. Like, yo, set us up. He said, tell Mariah I'm on fire. She should work tonight. <laughs> right. So we had her. And i never forget this. Drake came to the door and I went and got him. And he was like, yo, here's my credit card. Give me whatever you want. Bring, but bring me out a box of singles. Buy yourself some bottles. You you buy bottles, right? And just bring me back my credit card. And, oh, that's lit. And I brought I brought out the box of singles, and I'll never forget that night. Drake, yep, Drake at Perfections. Listen, when I tell y'all, y'all do not understand. When we would throw parties, Chuck would be like, "Yo, Angie, after a certain time, cut off your phone, hide, don't even show yourself." When I tell you the amount of people, the capacity of people that would be outside, wrapped around blocks, people that were inside the building, I'm talking about this is pre-COVID, so people was in there, like in there, celebs everywhere. You, I mean, this is when I say legendary, legendary. <laughs> Yeah. I would have to yeah. hide. There'd be people pulling on me like, yo, yo, yo. And I'm like, oh my God, like we reached the capacity. You can't come in. <laughs> like, yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah. So, um, but speaking of which, Chuck, can you think of right now on the spot the craziest story that happened at one of your events? Like something that you just like, oh my Lord. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, I've got a million of them, but we'll start with this one. 
So one time, right, I'm I'm throwing a party at this at this club called Amnesia in the city. It's probably the, one of the biggest clubs in New York. Another city legendary club, Amnesia. Right. So I get a phone call. Lamar Odom calls me. He goes, "Yo, I'm coming through tonight." I'm like, "Word!" He's like, "Yo," I'm like, "I right, bet. Let's do it." So he gets there and he goes, "Yo, you having a good time?" And yo, I gotta be out. He's like, "But here, take my credit card <laughs> and and buy everybody in this club right now a bottle." Everybody, said, everybody want to give Chuck their credit card. I'm dead. So <laughs> I said, "What?" He said, "You heard what I said." I said, "Yo, bro, it's like 500 people in here." He was BMFing, like, blowing money fast. <laughs> he said, "Buy everybody in here a bottle." I'm wow. Out. He left me with his credit card. Now, mind you, he's a good friend of mine. So I said, "Yo, you know, I'm not going to buy 500 bottles, but I brought a hundred bottles from his Damn, credit card." Damn, that's a lot. And gave him away, and that was a one of the crazy one of the craziest stories. I couldn't believe it. Everybody in the club was walking around with a bottle. <laughs> Thanks to Lamar Odom. Yo, shout out to Lamar Odom. We gonna get into Lamar too, cause there's a few. I got when we get into the hot topic segment, I got a question to ask you um, about Lamar. But sure. let me ask you this, Chuck. Um, how how has all right so? How has COVID affected your business with parties? And how do you deal with that today? Well, you know what, Angie? That's a great question. What happened was when COVID hit, we couldn't do no parties. And I'm a party promoter. Yeah. So it, it COVID actually helped me. Let me tell you why it helped me. I was unable to do parties so that that made me think of other right. revenue, other streams right. of revenue. So it, you I'm get creative. At home, right. I'm sitting at home like, yo, let me go through all of the contacts, all of the people that I've met that said, call me. I got this idea. Because you know, when I'm throwing parties, I'm like, I'll give me a number. You know, if I can get to you, I'll get to you. So, but when I was home during COVID, I had all right. the time in the world. Right. So I'm calling people. I'm like, yo, you remember that idea? Remember this idea? Lo and behold, it, 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 it helped me because I, 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 I got other streams of revenue because of COVID. And it opened up my mind because I was able to sit down and relax. And, right. and at the time, right before COVID, I was doing five or six go, parties go, a week. Go, go, go. Yeah. And I was going, 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 just getting numbers, just getting contacts, talking to people like, yo, okay, I'll hit you, I'll hit you. And I'll save them on my phone like, oh, energy drink guy. Or save right. on my phone, sneaker guy. Or save it on my phone, restaurant guy. Right. Or bar guy. This guy, that guy, liquor guy, this guy. Yeah. And then when I was home during COVID, yeah. I was calling them niggas like, yo. Yep. Yo, they're like, yo, perfect timing. Yo, let's do it. So COVID actually helped me. It didn't yeah. hurt me. It helped me. It helped me sit my black ass down. Yeah. And call those people that you said you was going to call. Yeah. And I them. That's what's up. And so now we're slowly, you know, coming out of this pandemic. Are you guys back to doing parties and stuff? Is stuff yes. open? Yes. It's back open. We're back doing big parties, you know, um, and we're back to normal. Yep. That's what's up. Now, we're not ending, but I'm going to ask you this real quick. Well, two more questions before we get into this other thing that I wanted to ask you. What advice would you give? You know what? I, I don't like I don't like calling the title a promoter because it's so much more than promotion. Like people think of promoters, they think of like that, um, like just someone handing out tickets for an event. 
But when you guys would do parties, you guys don't realize that when you're doing parties on the to the magnitude that Chuck is doing parties, you're responsible for that entire event from top to bottom. You know, you have that whole square space space is your responsibility. So it's everything from crowd control to security to paying the bartenders, the dancers, the DJ to making sure security is in its proper place. You know, you're you're basically renting out the whole entire venue and you're putting on you know what I'm saying? A party. And then you're doing all the back end stuff. Like you're purchasing airtime for the radio to like, you know, talk about your, your party or, you know, you have merchandise and you're having all these things. So I don't want to just say promoter. Cause in their head, people are just thinking promoter. You're giving out freaking tickets. No, this is on another level. You're throwing like huge events. So what advice would you give, um, up and coming promoters or people that may look at you in the city and say, I want to do this. I'm trying to get in a game and I'm trying to you know, get my, get my lane. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they have dreams of opening up a nightclub. I would say definitely start out what, you know, you guys are doing because th that's the evolution, um, yep. to go from, you know, promotion into opening up clubs and lounges and stuff. So if you have a person that's starting out, that's watching this interview, maybe five years from now, or just now, what advice would you give them? Well, 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 well that's a great question. Well, what people don't understand is being being responsible for throwing a party, you're responsible for a lot of things. Yeah. And one of the and, and I'll just name a few of them. You're responsible for everybody getting paid. You're yeah. responsible for everybody feeding their family because yep. you everybody's depending on you to bring the people and to bring the money. Yep. So security is yep. depending on you getting paid. The DJs is, is depending on you getting the bartenders, the bus boys, the helpers, the owners. Everybody's depending on you as a promoter to yep. bring revenue to the business so that they can go home and feed their families. So you have to realize that when you taking on the responsibility as throwing an event and being a promoter, you have to realize that that's one. Two, you have to find a mechanism, a, a organ, a, something that you could be organized. At the time when I first started, my the way I I kept organ I, I kept being organized was I would save people names under what they did or yeah. what. So if your name was John and you're on the sneaker company, it's John yeah. owns a sneaker company. Same right. under my phone. So right. that was my way of being organized. Yeah. You know, now obviously technology has grown since right. 20 years ago. But, right. but you have to find a way to be organized. Yeah. Once you're organized, then you will, you're, 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 that's my one advice you, you got to give. Organization. You have to be very, very organized and in tune. And don't, don't get drunk at your parties. I Yo, Chuck used to say that. that drunk. Yeah, me too. And Chuck used to say that. I remember that. To, that's one thing that he always said to me. He's like, don't get drunk. And I remember that. So what I would do is I would, because I'm a person that likes to enjoy, you know, being tipsy. It just helps me work better. So I would just, I would start, I would drink a little bit at a time throughout the night. And I would have a lot of water in between. And Chuck used to be like, yo, you remind me of me. Um, yep. doing that, but don't drink too much. And I'm like, no, because here's the thing. You got to be on point all night because you are responsible for everybody's life Everybody in that it. venue. So you can't be sloppy and falling all over the place and you the one in charge. So Chuck, yep. I remember you used to say that to me all the time. So yeah, yeah. do not get no, but your part. Andrew, I've had instances where I've gotten drunk. I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. You know, right. I remember one time where I got drunk and I, I went home and I forgot to pay people. But my reputation right. 
they're like, oh, he's going to pay us. But damn it, right. somebody else, they might have killed you if you didn't pay yeah. security. Security was a wild yeah. piece back then. Yeah. You know, or you didn't pay this guy or that guy or the DJ or this guy. So you got to take care of everybody. Yeah, that's the reason why I say try not to get drunk all the time. And um, that way it'll keep you level. Absolutely. And take care of everybody that, you know, while mm -hmm. you're in there, you know saying, because everybody is what's keeping the machine going. Um, yep. So, Chuck, let me ask you this. What are you working on now? Um, what are you excited for in 2022? Well, I'm just excited. I, I, you know, I opened up a few uh, businesses, but I don't want to say it online, but you That's know, I'm okay. just excited for those. I'm just excited <laughs> right. for that. Because I've learned. Let me tell you, let me tell you why I said that. Because I've learned over the years and having opened up so many businesses and having so many endorsements that some things are meant to just be just keep it with yourself yeah. because everybody's not happy for you. Right. So if you go and splat it out and put it out and put it on Instagram or Facebook right. or MySpace or whatever, you got some people that, that are not happy for you. Right. So right. they're gonna try to Right, mess you up. Put so bad you, energy you on your, it. Yep. So you know, I I I'll never forget that one day. It was a um. I had got a a, a new deal, and I had I had told DJ Clue. He's like, "Yo, man, I'm gonna stop you right there. Take this deal and don't tell everybody. Yeah. Don't, don't just just work hard. You don't have to. Everything doesn't. Everybody doesn't have to know everything. Yeah. Because they're not happy for you." Right. Just be happy for yourself. Pat yourself on the back and work hard. Yes. Because you think you think everybody's happy for you by putting it on Instagram like, oh, I just signed this new deal. Yep. But they're not. No. So you could be damaging yourself. So, you know, shout out to DJ Cool. He did give me that advice and, and I still Clue. use it to this day. That's what's up. All right. So you're excited for your new business deals that you got going on. Um, you're doing your parties now. Tell them where they can find you. I'm on Instagram at Hollywood Chuck. I'm about to put that up Twitter. right now. I'm on Twitter at Hollywood Chuck. I'm on Facebook, Hollywood Chuck Management. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's what's Those up. The three things I'm on. And for any sub promoters or you know young promoters that are looking, are you are you looking to recruit promoters now, or are you chilling? I'm always looking to recruit promoters. Um, I'm a little bit more hard now because I know if you bring somebody, bring somebody around and they bring the wrong people. So I, I, I you know, I put them through a, a strenuous um, process of getting down. Boot camp. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. training. <laughs> I have to because I've had instances where I put down promoters and they bring the wrong crowd and they end yeah. the party with a, a fight or anything like that. So you got to be. Yeah, that's another thing I learned from you. You know what I'm saying? Like certain 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 crowds warrant different things. I remember we yep. had a particular crowd in, in, in the party one time, and Chuck is like, they don't get glass, they get paper cups or Word. they get plastic cups. When Word. these type of people come in, you don't give them glass, you gotta give them plastic. This type of people, yeah, they're good with the glass. These type, you know what I'm saying? So you kind of gotta know your your audience, you gotta read the room. <laughs> and be wise with your decisions, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, but you learn over the years, you know, you learn over the years, you know. You learn, eh? you know, um, but but I'm here to tell the young promoters, you know, just be careful. Like, you know, everything ain't for everybody. Absolutely. So, Chuck, we what I like to do, you know what I'm saying, with my guests, 
I like to do, I like to talk about some hot topics with them. And then I like to mm-hmm. go into a little game to end it. Right. Mm-hmm. So now this is the portion where I'm going to go in my hot topics. Now, this here is been this first topic that I want to talk about with you. I need you to break it down to everybody because I don't know. Are you on Clubhouse? You know what? Everybody's been asking me to go on Clubhouse. I, I got to get idea. you on Clubhouse, Chuck. That's my biggest platform. I got like 3K over there. And um, yeah, we're going to talk behind the scenes. Clubhouse is super, super dope. But between Clubhouse, Instagram, every other platform in the world, I need you to break this topic down for us because it has been an ongoing debate. And now I have an event planner, a marketing and promotions person, one of the top people that's going to tell y'all his opinion on this. All right. Okay. So a lot of people were speaking about who is to blame for the Travis Scott concert situation where there were fans that passed, right? Now, with your expertise, who do you think were to blame? Do you think this was the promoters? Um, I know working with you, how important crowd control is. Like, you know, I learned that right away. Um, so do you think um, what, what went down with the whole Travis Scott situation? Is it the promoters to blame? Um, who do you, what do you think went wrong in that situation? And just break it, give us a, a deep dive on that. Or because some people, you know, they want to say, oh, it's Travis Scott's fault. Oh, it's the, the promoter's fault. They should have had crowd control. They should have had security in place. So what do you think about that whole situation? Well, what, what happened was the promoters, um, well, first of all, let me say this. There was, it was absolutely no one, a hundred percent blame on somebody. Mm-hmm. That's first. It was not a hundred percent blame on one specific person or one specific specific group artist, but a lot of times, Angie, a, and 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 a lot of times, people want to do events just because they have the money, right? And they don't and know the first thing about. They don't know. To, they right. just have the money, so they're like, so it's like, yo, you got these investors. That have yo, I right. got $100 million. So right. we're gonna get the best artists, the biggest space, and do the biggest party and flip our money. That's all they're thinking about. Right. They're not thinking about the technical part of it. They're not thinking about the organization part of it. All yeah. they're thinking about is how much money that I can make. Right. Because per I head. have the money. Yeah. I have the money. So I could get Jay-Z. I could get Travis yeah. Scott. I could get I could get anybody because I have the money. They're but not, the details, they're not, they're not going into detail. They're not saying, look, we need the right organizer, person, promoter. We need the right person to make this organized. Right. So um, the first thing that if, if I could take a little small percentage and blame it on somebody, it would be the people that invested in it. Right. Because your investment is just like a promoter. You're a promoter, investor, same thing. Right. So when you invest your money, what they only thought about was Travis Scott and the venue. Yeah. Yo, and we how got much Travis bread. Scott. Right. Yo, we got the venue. We can get endorsements. You can this, this, this. They're not thinking about, yo, we're going to need enough security. Yeah. Because you have to have, for every five people, for every five to 10 people, you got to have one or two security guards for those, right. for those people. So if you have right. a thousand people, you need that many, one security right. per five to 10 people. So that right. they can have enough security. So if anything goes wrong, you got eyes there. Right. And I didn't think they took that into accountability. 
And I'll tell you this, a lot of times when I do concerts or when I do performances, I'm on stage. Yeah. Because I can see everything. Yeah, right. So if anything breaks out, right. I can radio, yo, right. section five, seat four, right. go there. Yo, so they needed a point person on yeah. stage to just watch over everything. Yeah. So if anything breaks out, they like, yo, seat five, section, get yeah. over there. If you're in the crowd or if you're running around, you're not able to see that. Yes, that's true. That's so, so true. Those two things are the tiny bit, you know, and without going into detail, those two things are the tiny bit things they could have did different. But it definitely wasn't Travis Scott's fault. It, it, like how he can't. So know, we could put that to bed. Scott. We could put that to bed because the yeah, general public. Yes, the general public that doesn't know a thing about throwing an event, they want to just say Travis because he's the big name on the bill. What people don't realize is Travis was just the artist that was booked and he was getting paid to be there. His job wasn't to hire any of the venue security or see what the capacity of people, because that's another thing I'm saying for each venue, there's a certain capacity that you can't go over. He, he has nothing to do with that. He was coming to a venue to perform and leave. All of that, that's what I was trying to explain to people on Clubhouse. That had nothing. And people were like, but that was Travis's thing. No, it wasn't. He was on the no. bill. He was the headliner. No, so, Angie, you need to tell, uh, anytime this, this subject comes up again, I'll come on Clubhouse. I am an expert beyond expert when throwing events. And it right. was 100% not Travis's fault. Thank now, you. So we could clear that up. The fight, <laughs> if he's seen the fight break out, you know, he could have said, yo, go stop the... But that's not his job. Right. That's he was performing. And you got to think, there's lights, there's certain things. And a person, you know, with all those deaths that occurred, people couldn't breathe and different things. Like, people are like little ants in the crowd. How is he going to know that somebody's losing consciousness that's or not. they're being pressed against, you know, the stage and they can't breathe and stuff? That's not his job. He's performing up there. You know what I'm saying? He, so How did you know he even seen it? Right. He, he probably didn't even see it. Right. There's thousands of people. You think he's going to pinpoint an ant? Oh, that right. ant is having is passing out. Like, right. They're all ants to him. He's exactly. They're all like little ants. They're all ants right. just raggling and just going crazy. Exactly. So, or, or you see there's the light from the cell phone. You're not really like seeing what is it happening. He don't have a spotlight on every single person that's in there. So I think exactly. that's really, it's, it's unfair to say that it was his fault, but I was trying myself and a couple of other people were in clubhouse when this thing happened. We were trying to explain the business end of it to, to some of the people that really just, because that the, the average person doesn't really realize what it takes to really put on an event. So they just going to blame Travis because that's his name and he was performing, but no, no, that's no, not how one, it works. 100, 100,000 percent. It was never not his fault. Not even one percent of it. Got it. So y'all heard it first here from Hollywood Chuck. He broke it down. <laughs> yeah. Like, how is it his fault? Like, if I'm performing, I'm supposed to break up fights while I'm right. performing? What are you talking about? Like, people, you are out of, people are out of control. <laughs> I just cannot, yeah. man. Um. All right. So now. Another thing that's been in the news, speaking of Travis Scott. All right. So I don't know. Are you aware of the Kim Kardashian and Kanye West in the news every single day and everything yes. that's been going on with that? Ye wants yes, his you... family. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, well, I've been blessed to where I've had events like um, where like they Kanye and Kim was re regulars. 
So I know firsthand I've met Kim. Right. I went I went to an event where it was just me, her, and one other person. Yeah. So I, I have a relationship with, 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 with a lot of celebrities. And um as far as their relationship, um I I personally think that what messed them up was Kanye's rants, his his rants, right. his, you know, his you being know, a bug out. Right. Like, you know, like, bro, have some consistency in, in, in your in your in your behavior. Yeah. You know, I think that his inconsistency and in his behavior messed it up for him. Like, mm-hmm. be consistent. You know, like like you can't just be going off on these rants and these tie rants and this and that and and oh being I'm a sick. bug out. Oh, Oh, I'm sick. You you can't blame it on that. You know, you you're married. You have a family. You have to have some consistency. Having being married and having a family is being consistent. Yeah, you have to be consistent. Yo, and look, stable, stable, consistent. Same thing. You got to be them, on that. Right. You can't be blowing up every week and tyrants and this and that. It's just very very inconsistent. So that's what I think. Although I think Kanye's a great person. He has a good heart. He's a good person, but what I think messed him up with with Kim was the tyrants, the, the yeah. being inconsistent, and yeah. you know, I, I, you know, I think that messed him. Up. Just my opinion from the outside yeah. looking in. Because you think about it, like Kim has been rich since she was born into money, right? So what do you give a woman? You know, what I'm saying that has everything that you you give her stability and normalcy, and that's what Pete is giving her. She's eating pizza and chilling in Staten Island and just having a regular life. She kind of, I think what that she was looking for is just that stability and that consistency, like you said, and the normalcy. And I think Kanye, you know what I'm saying? Like what he's doing now by saying he wants to get his family back. I think his behavior right now is not really helping him get his family back. If one minute you're, you know, trying to expose Kim. And then, then the next minute you're asking for your family back. And then the next minute you're going in on Pete. It's just a lot. You know what I'm saying? For her, I Inconsistent, think. like I said. Yeah. You got to be consistent. When you have a family, you got to be very consistent. Yeah. And, you know, you have to have a routine of doing things. Yo, look, every day I'm going to take the kids to school. And, you know, yeah. If you're not right. ready for that, then you're not, you're right. not ready for marriage. Oh, man. Good luck with Kim and Kanye. I mean, I have a feeling that we're going to this is I don't know how it's going to play out, but I think that they're going to be in the news like for the rest of the year. And so they can figure something out. Um, All right. Speaking of the Kardashians, last topic on the Kardashians. All right. So I don't know if you've seen, but Lamar Odom, he wants Chloe back. So I think he's um he's on like a reality show. I think it might be Celebrity Big Brother and every chance that he gets, he's um you know, speaking about how he wants her, her back and he would love to reconnect with her. Uh, what's your thoughts? You know, speaking, speaking of which, cause that's your homeboy right there. So what, what is your thoughts about them getting back together? Did you like them together? Like what, what is your thoughts on that? Let me tell you something. I know both Lamar and Chloe. I know both of them and I have both of their phone numbers in my phone. I think there are two great, let me tell you something. A lot of people have a lot of things to say about the Kardashians, but if you don't know them, you you know you can't really. Chloe is such a great person. She's such a loving person. She's a yeah. good good person. And I already told you stories on Lamar, so you already know how good of a good yeah. person he is. That's so your friend for real. Was, 
Those are really good people. So mm -hmm. I love them together and they're going to get back together. They are because they are just two good people. That's what's Trust up. Trust me, they are beautiful. If you knew them firsthand, Angie, I'm telling you, they are two beautiful people. Yeah. Lamar would give you the coat off his back and so would Chloe. It's yeah. times where I call Chloe and she's like, yo, whatever you need. Yeah. And it's times where I call Lamar. He's like, yo, I'm down the block. Yeah. Yo, let's meet up. Like, they're yeah. just two great people. They will I'm get rooting back for together. them. I'm rooting for them. Chloe's such a good person. Lamar's such a good person. They will get back together. That's my That's what's up. My let's prediction. put that in the atmosphere. Yo, I'm going to tell you. Yo, Chuck, I don't know if you remember this story, but <laughs> me and you was in some store in Queens, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember this when the owner thought we was... uh? <laughs> He said, um, are you a famous basketball player? Are you Lamar Odom? And are you Khloe Kardashian? Because I think we had went in the store. Do you remember that story when the owner asked us if we was Khloe and Lamar? And I started dying laughing when we left. <laughs> and I was like, yo, how the hell did they think that you was Lamar and I was Khloe? He was like, and then Chuck was like, yo, Lamar, that's my man. You know, we both told him. Maybe he thought. I think we were in some store getting some um, the Superstar uh, T-shirts. We was getting the oh, merch yeah. made. Or we was doing something. And the guy literally thought we was Khloe Kardashian and Lamar Odom. You don't remember that, Chuck? Oh, man. I yo, wish I would remember. <laughs> that shit was so funny, <laughs> Oh, remember our merch? Remember our clothing line? Superstar? Yes. Yes. Tell us a I little bit about that. Back. Yo, yeah, you need well, what, to. What Heck happened yeah. Was, what happened was, again, uh, um, I've always had the mentality that, um, you know, I, I don't have enough money for Louis Vuitton and Gucci and all these right. big brands. But I do have a style and I have, so I'm like, okay, let me just do my own clothing line. So that's when I came up with the superstar. I and love I that. And I spelled it different. Then the word superstar. The word yep. superstar is spelled obviously S U P E R S T A R. Right. I said, you know what? I'm going to spell it different. And everybody yep. can be a superstar when they wear these clothes. Yep. And I so used to wear happened. the merch in the clubs and the dancers and bartenders and people would come up to me like, yo, how I get a shirt made? How I get a sweatsuit? How I get this? How I get that? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you definitely got to bring that back, Chuck. Especially yeah. now you could get your online shop popping and sell them things. Man, listen, that was that was legendary. So everybody's <laughs> a superstar when you wear that, those clothes. Yeah. That's, that's why I came up with it. That's super dope. Um, all right. Last hot topic before we go into this game. Um, I'm sure you saw the Super Bowl where we had, you know, um, nothing but hip hop artists at the halftime doing their thing. That was super legend. That was super legendary for um, for hip hop. Um, what was your feelings when you saw that? Because this is the first time in history that you had all hip hop artists at a halftime show. Like. What did you think? Was you that was a big moment for hip hop? I know that you know, what I'm saying like I was just so proud watching that. Well, once I seen Jay Z was in charge of the halftime oh, yeah. show, I knew it was going to be epic. But right. What he did was genius that I didn't think of. This is the genius part of what happened. What happened was the 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 Super Bowl was in L. A. It was in Cali. Mm -hmm. So what Jay-Z did was put the biggest Cali artist yes. on the halftime show. Right. So that was the genius part of it. So 
you, as we all know, California's biggest state is a very, very big state. Yep. So if, you know, Jay-Z's from New York, he could have easily said Diddy. And, but Diddy and them wouldn't have been big enough. Because I was thinking, I'm like, oh, why ain't he put Diddy? Why ain't he put New York people? What Jay-Z did was so genius because the the the, the, half, the halftime show and the, and the Super Bowl was in L.A. Yep. So, so it was like put, that California pride. So let's put the biggest artist in L.A. on this halftime show. So that's what was genius by him. Doing Dr. Dre, Eminem, um, um, Mary J, Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar's not Lamar. Mary J. Well, Mary's from New York, but she was there, right? But Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre, and Eminem was right. genius. Oh yeah, those are the three biggest names in LA right now, right? Um, as far as like you know, yeah, our generation, you know, that West Coast so, pride, that was genius. So that was genius. And then what was also genius was you put in the biggest celebrity besides his wife. Right. Who's bigger than fucking Mary? Yep. Put Mary on there. And then, you know, you know, I don't know how 50 Cent snuck his way in there. They threw that, that wild dope. card in there. That because was you, dope. <laughs> word. Yo, so while I'm glad you brought that up. While you on that topic, I don't know if you heard, but the game, he, he was a little salty. That 50 was there instead of him. What you think about that? You think, let me tell you, I, I'll give my opinion, but what you think about that? You know what? He had a he had a right to feel away. Because let me tell you why. Because Jay-Z went with the LA artist. Remember, yeah. he didn't go with the New York. He went to LA. So it's okay to feel away. He had no reason to feel salty because he had a feel away. He had a reason to feel away, but not right. salty. Right. Because how are you going to feel salty with somebody who put you on? Exactly. Exactly. So you can't feel salty, but you can feel a way like, damn, you know, my generation, I'm a big LA artist. Why did Jay-Z pick me to be on there? So, all right, I feel a way about it, but I'm not going to feel salty because the people that put me on is in there. Eminem and 50 and Dr. Right. Dre. So but be happy for them. Exactly. And you, and you want to know something? It made sense. It made more sense for 50 to be on there than him because you don't have Dre, the, 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 the three, you know what I'm saying? The, the big three was Dre, Eminem, 50. That's like, you know what I'm saying? The, that was the dream team right there. And then of course, Snoop. But when you think about the big three, you thinking about Dre, M. 50. You know what I'm saying? Like, 50 is more legendary than, than Game. Not to say that Game is not, you know, a hood legend or L.A. superstar or whatever, but you're not at that 50 cent Eminem and Dr. Dre level. You know what I'm saying? Like, so at the I end agree. of the day, no. Like, and then again, like you said, he put you on, so I wouldn't Hello. be salty about that. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Exactly. I can't be salty, but you can feel right. away. Exactly. But like I should have been on there, but I'm not mad. Right, and and it's a halftime show. We're not. If that's the case, if they was taking cameos, you know what I'm saying? Maybe they could have threw game in there to have one little small verse or something like that. But it wasn't that type of party. These are like mega, you know, uh, legends like Mary J. Blige, Doctor, like, you know, you you getting the top of the cream of the crop of hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Not to say game is you know not a legend, but he's not on that level. So yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. All right, so. The next thing I want to do real quick before we get up out of here, because I don't want to keep you here all night, Chuck. Um, <laughs> we play this game, right? It's called Red Flag or Deal Breaker. So I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a, 
I'm going to read you something and you tell me if it's a red flag, a deal breaker, or you love it. All right. So you dating a girl, right? And she has a best friend of the opposite sex. So her best friend is a man. I'm saying a dude. Is that a red flag, a deal breaker, or you love it? Red flag. Okay. Tell me why it's a red flag. You know what? I have a problem with it. If I'm dealing with a girl and she has a man friend, let me tell you why. Because men and women are put on this earth to be compatible. And I feel, Angie, I feel that if any girl goes in a room, it, she could be unattractive with him. She, he could, she could, he could be the ugliest guy ever. <laughs> but if they're drinking and they're right. having a good time and he's saying the right things, she could be his total opposite. And something can happen because that's what men and women are built for. They're built to to be together right right so she could not like this guy but you put her in a room with him they're drinking <laughs> right they're both drinking and they're under the influence and he says the right thing it may happen yeah so it's a red flag for me i got you that that's a that's a that's a good point all right so you're dating a girl and she you kicking it with her and y'all starting to get a little serious and she tells you that she's still good friends with her ex is that a red flag, a deal breaker, or you love it? It's a red flag again. Okay. Same reason? Because she could potentially, you know what I'm saying? Let me tell you something, Angie. If alcohol is involved, anything can happen. Right. So let's just say you with your, you, you, your ex call you and be like, yo, meet me at the bar. I got to talk to you about something. Right. And they both get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> he in there. Anything can happen. Right, right, right. Nah, I feel you on that. No I matter what, anything. Once you got alcohol in this universe of ours, yeah, or weed, or anything that can influence or right. affect your your decisions, right. You you don't want to be in a position where you right. might do something wrong and make a mistake. Absolutely. Yeah. Nah. I so feel being you. that you got a girl, she shouldn't be talking to no other guys. But you consistently. Right. Now, yeah, right. she can have a guy friends. Uh, yeah, cool. But consistently? Mm -hmm. No, because then another thing, Angie, what if they what if she gets into an argument with me and then she meets up with her ex? Yeah. I feel you. I'm I, listen, if I'm dating a guy and he tells me he's still good friends with his ex, that's 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 a red, red that's flag. a deal breaker. Shoot, that's a deal breaker. And you know why I say that? <laughs> that's a deal breaker. You know why? Because I don't have no problem with my man being cordial with his ex. Like, you know what I'm saying? You see her around. Hello. You know what I'm saying? You might double tap on a picture of her kid on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? But good friends where it's consistent. Y'all talking. Y'all mm -hmm. going to the mall. You still cool with her, her, um, her sister, no -no. her mom. No -no. Nah. Hell no. <laughs> I'm not. That's a deal breaker. <laughs> Okay, so I'm gonna breaker, give you... red flag never can happen. Right, no, no never. Happen. <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna give you a would you rather. All right, would you rather a chick that constantly talks about her ex, or would you rather date a chick that never reveals anything about her past relationships? So the first one is would you would you rather the chick uh, that constantly talks about her ex, or would you rather date a chick? that never reveals anything about her past relationship. So you got a chick on That's one hand. Question. Yeah, so which one which one would you take? That's a good question. That's a really good question. 
I don't have any answer to that because I, I have something against both of those things. Right, but you got to pick the lesser evil. So oh. on one hand, the chick is constantly talking about her ex. And on the other hand, this chick is like closed like a locked closet. She ain't telling you nothing about her past I don't like either. I don't like either. That's the point of the game. You got to pick the lesser of the I evil. one? Yes. I you guess rather don't talk. I guess don't talk about him ever. If I don't know, then uh, all right. Okay. Don't talk about him ever. Got you. Got you. All right. Now here's another. Would you rather? All right. Would you rather a chick that always asks for favors but never returns them, or a chick that constantly keeps her phone private from you? So on one hand, the chick is asking for favors but never returns them. And then the other chick is constantly keeps her phone private from you. Or it's the same chick, but you got to pick the scenario. Which one would you I rather? I always ask me for favors. And never, because if she don't ask me, she's going to ask somebody else. Right? And not only that, but if you to keep the if you go with the chick that keeps her phone private from you, Lord knows what's yeah, in there. No, yeah. Exactly. Right, right. She could be having a whole. I don't ask me and never return them. Right, right. <laughs> okay. No problem. <laughs> would you rather... um? have a chick that describes all her ex-boyfriends as crazy or would you rather have a chick that cheated in her last relationship wow that's a good one <laughs> i know it's like both of them suck but which one would you rather? they i'd rather go with the one that describes all her boyfriends as crazy all right me too me too <laughs> i don't need yeah, no to spoil that's ass. a tough question that's a really tough question <laughs> oh boy how about this um a chick that never talks about your future together. So you dating a chick, you got this chick that never talks about your future together. Would you rather that or would you have a chick that's never been single for more than two weeks? Oh, boy. I'd rather the first one. <laughs> you rather the chick that never talks about your future together. Yeah. Like, <laughs> never been single. For more than two weeks at a time. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's loose. Word, that's a lot. Just a few more questions and then we out of here, Chuck. So now I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you um a scenario and then I'll give you four choices and you tell me which one. So what attracts you to someone? Good looks, fun, ambition, or confidence? Which one would you rather? Good looks, one. fun, ambition, or confidence? Ambition. Ambition. All right, ladies, you got to be a hustler to get Hollywood Chuck's attention. <laughs> yes, you do. All right. We got to, because I have ambition, so you got to have that same drive. Right, right. Definitely. Yeah. Nobody wants a lazy person or nobody wants. I think I was watching um, Lip Service and I think they were talking to Troy Ave the last uh, the last interview. And Troy, Troy Ave was saying that, too. Like, I don't care how good you look. If if you don't have no if you don't have no work ethic behind you, if you don't know how to make money, like I, he said, I could sit there and hand you a check and you could go open up properties and if i tell you i need you to manage these properties for me i need you to do this and that you don't know what you're doing this is not gonna work in a relationship because if i'm hustling you need to be hustling too that's what troy ab was saying in the interview so i definitely see see the ambition part i think i would pick that too all right so does this person need to be physically fit one size doesn't matter two a little fat never hurt anyone three i'm good with an average build or four yes it's a must Size doesn't matter. Size doesn't matter. Okay. So you are, uh, you know what I'm saying? 
what is what is that word? Um, all inclusive. Yeah, size doesn't matter. I feel you on that. All right, so Chuck, what is the worst possible first impression from a girl for you? One, if she smells bad. Two, if she treated others poorly. Three, if she has bad teeth. Or four, if she's cheap. What is the worst possible first impression for you? Cheap, bad teeth, treat others poorly, or smells bad? Smells bad. <laughs> okay. Chuck said, you better come to this date smelling good because that's going to be a Clean deal up. breaker. Because cleanliness, you got to be, you got to take a shower. You got to smell good. Like, right, right, right. <laughs> that tells a lot about you. What? If, if you if you clean and you smell good, that tells a lot about you. Yes. You have to be clean and you have to smell great. Got to put that perfume on. Yes, You got to look good. You got to smell great. That's a great, that's a, that's like a big thing. Right. So it's a deal breaker. If you go on a date with Chuck and you smell bad, he, you out of here, you clipped. <laughs> now you right. smell bad. You got to smell good. I mean, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm going to say. If you, you smell, smell bad, good. you got to yeah. smell, I got to smell you. You right. got to have a good fragrance. Word. If you smell bad and you come to the date, you getting clipped, shorty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, got a, I got an emergency. Word. All right. Last question, Chuck. All right. In-laws can be annoying, right? What about your partner's family would turn you off? Poor manners, insensitivity, intrusiveness, or them asking you for things? So... Poor manners, insensitivity, intrusiveness, or them asking you for things. Intrusiveness. That's the one I picked too. <laughs> you I know, picked that same it, one. There's a lot of times where family members get in this stuff or whatever, they put themselves into it or she puts them into it. But you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. So stay out of it. Like, right. stay out of it as far as intrusiveness. Like, let them deal with each other. And I've learned because I got two older sisters. Right. So I learned, stay out of their business. <laughs> you get involved, and now you beefing with the person they with, and they back with them. Yes, that's so true. That's so true. You sitting there calling your mom, your sister, your whole family. You're bitching about your damn relationship. Then you go take the person back. They still salty because now they looking at him like X, Y, and Z, but y'all back together. Right. Bad situation. It's best to keep it private, keep your family out your business, and everybody's happy. <laughs> yes. That's Yo, most Chuck. <laughs> Word. Thank you so much for playing, for stopping by, for you know, doing this interview. I really, really, really appreciate you so much. One more time, tell the people what you're doing and where to find you. Hollywood Chuck, baby. I'm on Instagram at Hollywood Chuck, Twitter at Hollywood Chuck, Facebook, Hollywood Chuck Management. Every Friday, Cavalli, we there. You already know what it is. Follow me for the other stuff. Let's do it. Angie's World. That's where it's at. Yes. Thank you so much, Chuck. Listen, Chuck, don't go nowhere. But I always say this. Listen, y'all better tap in with Chuck. He's doing his thing out here. He's doing the best parties in New York and all 50 states. Tap in with him at Hollywood Chuck. And I always say this. Y'all could don't go nowhere, Chuck. But y'all could be anywhere in the world. But you decided to be in Angie's world. And for that, I love you. Peace out. We out of here. Deuces. Thank you guys so much for tuning into my podcast. I am so, so grateful. If you want to tap in with me, go to Instagram, all things Angie's World 1. Go to YouTube, 
Angie's World, where you can also check out the podcast in video form or go to Twitter, Angie's World 1. Love y'all.